Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Jamila Hammond coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Colby Martin. It's Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Today's show is going to be a little different, with much focus on Russia's major attack of Ukraine. Today's events could change what we know as the world order, and we here at Annenberg Radio would be remiss to not cover stories impacting the lives of millions around the globe. With that said, on today's show, news on the Russian invasion into Ukraine. Rising gas prices, inflation, and possible cyber attacks. Well, gas hit a hundred dollars a barrel today. The impact of the Ukraine conflict on life in the United States. Concerns over China and its current leadership with Taiwan. China is looking at this very carefully. China is trying to see where U.S. ends on this one. All that and more. But first, these news headlines with Mindy Kong. 57 Ukrainians have been reported dead and 169 more are wounded upon Russia's invasion. Today, Biden announced new sanctions against Russia and its energy. This has raised criticism given the track record and ineffectiveness of U.S. sanctions. Today, three former police officers were found guilty for violating George Floyd's civil rights when he was murdered in 2020. They faced more state trials in June. Last year, Floyd's murderer, ex-officer Derek Chauvin, was sentenced to 22 years of prison. In Alabama, lawmakers approved legislation that would ban transgender students from using the school bathrooms and locker rooms that match their gender, threatening the safety of transgender youth. Conservative lawmakers have even called parental support for gender-affirming health care child endangerment. This year is on track to be a record-breaking year for anti-trans legislation, with double the amount of anti-trans bills in 2022 than in 2020. Those were some of today's top news headlines. For Annenberg Media, I'm Mendy Kong. For background on today's big story, we turn to Jonathan Wachtel. He's a global affairs analyst who covered the collapse of the Soviet Union and founded a bureau there for worldwide television news. He speaks Russian and met Vladimir Putin. Here's Jonathan Wachtel. Vladimir Putin has always looked at the collapse of the Soviet Union as one of the great tragedies of Russian history, and he has made an effort over his time, now his 22nd year as president of uh, Russia, where he believes he's been democratically reelected each time. Um, he he believes that there really needs to be a reemergence of the Soviet Union uh, and the glory days of Russia as a power uh, within the world, uh, you know, on on equal footing with the United States, if not better, he would like to see. Uh, and he regrets very much uh, the handling of uh, the collapse, uh, which he blames on Mikhail Gorbachev, the former Soviet premier. Uh, and he, uh, Putin, that is, uh, has taken efforts to try to reclaim some of the glory of Russia uh, in what I guess you could best describe as a modern day czar. The conflict in Ukraine will also affect life here in the U.S. for ordinary Americans. Nia McMillan reports. The most immediate effects could be gas prices at the pump going up. Russia is one of the world's largest oil producers, and especially as of recently, a major exporter of oil to the U.S. 
Now with sanctions ruling that out, already high prices could go up even more, maybe by about 50 cents a gallon for consumers. Jonathan Aronson is a professor of communications, political science, and international relations at USC's Dornzeif in Annenberg. Well, gas hit hit $100 a barrel today. It ain't going to go down soon. President Biden at his press conference today warned gas companies to not exploit this moment to hike prices. And what's worse is that higher gas prices could lead to overall higher inflation. A large part of Biden's press conference today was devoted to reassuring Americans even though his government is imposing sanctions against Russia. Any economic pain Americans feel because of these will be short-lived, as long as we continue to stay resolved, Biden said. And yet, the already high rate of inflation in the U.S. could get worse. The cost of many, if not most, things we buy could go up, says Professor Aronson. We've already experienced uh, prices in the supermarket going up, but uh, it's not going to go down anytime soon. The U.S. could carry out cyber attacks against Russia to try to disrupt Russia's military operations, but Russia could then retaliate against the U.S. President Biden repeated a warning to Russia not to conduct cyber attacks on American targets, but he did not say how the U.S. would respond to any such provocation. Again, USC's Professor Aronson. Well, the biggest question, and this is a big if, is if the cyber attacks get out of control. It's easier to attack than to defend cyber. What you can be sure of is if the U.S. wanted to, they could launch a significant cyber attack that would do great damage to Russia and its allies. Um, They're very hesitant to do that because uh, that would uh, get retaliation. Stocks fell when news of President Putin's invasion broke. But by Thursday afternoon, after President Biden spoke and announced the new sanctions on Russia, Russian elites, and Russian state-owned businesses and banks, the European Union also announced sanctions, and the U.S. stock market rallied back. The U.S. major stock indexes actually ended the day higher. The longer the conflict goes on and the more nations are involved, the greater will be the effects on life in the U.S. For Annenberg Media, I'm Nia McMillan. Many narratives are being pushed out about the assault on Ukraine. From many angles, Ukraine and Russia have used unprecedented communications campaigns to try to tell the stories they want the international public to believe. So a lot of information and misinformation comes our way. Today, USC Annenberg hosted a panel discussion to try to show how to separate real news from fake. Kari Spencer reports on that conversation. Today's Annenberg panel brought together four experts with knowledge ranging from public diplomacy to media history. Professor Akasha Pisarska joined the panel from Warsaw, Poland. She founded and directs the European Academy of Diplomacy in Poland. In the last 24 hours, we have seen an unprecedented attack of propaganda narratives in Central Europe and in the West. I have been personally approached by dozens of my colleagues, Polish colleagues, who would, you, you would think that would know better, with uh, stories they've been receiving through a number of channels claiming that the U.S. Congress has recognized Luhansk and Donetsk back in 1956 and that uh, Russia is simply recognizing what the United States has already recognized. Of course, this is absurd uh, because the United States have never recognized something inside of what was then the Soviet Union. Just to give you one 
story. But this is one of many stories, of course, coming in as part of the propaganda war, which right now is to, of course, legitimize the complete illegal actions of Russia in Ukraine. But technology has changed fundamentally since 1956, and propaganda has whole new outlets. Nicholas Cole is a media historian and a USC professor of public diplomacy whose research focuses on public engagement in foreign policy. We're at a moment of new media disruption where uh, the world is getting used to social media channels and this has been very much exploited by uh, Kremlin media um, working to confuse um, the situation. And I think we can expect over coming days that there will be further confusion. There's confusion abroad and there's confusion at home. Oh, my job has changed a lot since yesterday, the day before. Robert English is a USC associate professor of international relations, Slavic languages and literature. He's also the co-director of the Central European Studies program. I'm supposed to analyze the Russian side of the information war underway over Ukraine. And it's become particularly difficult to do so because Russia's strategy, right, in its efforts to influence public opinion and make its case both at home and abroad has become so confused and contradictory. I'm not addressing its accuracy or balance here, not for the moment, but simply its effectiveness, which is undermined by this bizarre incoherence. And that's something which seems rooted not in a singular media strategy to persuade others, but in the prejudices and grievances of one person, Vladimir Putin. People in power can work to control the narrative, but when it comes to journalists, they have to work to see through this and report what is true, says Annenberg Media Center fellow Adam El Rushdi. Media systems are only as good as the journalists doing the work. And if journalists are fundamentally more interested in the in, in in just in the prestige of being a journalist and the romantic version of being the journalist as opposed to telling the truth being accountable being independent and minimizing harm to the best of they do those those values we teach in the classroom every day then you're going to keep seeing the same misinformation the same disinformation and the same problems that cause us to have debates for three weeks about whether the covid problems we're experiencing are because of some guy's, you know, acid trip podcast that he hosts. Al Rushdie says the next few weeks will be very telling. And this situation right here and this crisis is going to really lay the groundwork for and, and how media covers it will will really sort of inform how we do cover any sort of similar situation going down the line. The Internet brought hopes of clarity and easier ways to find the truth, but that's not always been the case. As global tensions persist, the importance of sorting through misinformation will only grow. For Annenberg Media, I'm Kari Spencer. Today's events are much bigger than Ukraine. The conflict could help usher in a new world order. Superpower relations could change, as well as the terms and consequences of nations invading other sovereign lands. Sam Tarlov spoke about this with Professor Adil Najum, the dean of Boston University's Pardee School of Global Studies. Najum says China is closely watching today's events. You know, China is looking at this very carefully. China is trying to see where U.S. ends on this one. 
how U.S. exerts or doesn't exert power, what the new balance will be. In my view, it doesn't change the relationship uh, fundamentally, which will remain a relationship of rivalry, but it can change the dynamic of the relationships, especially as Mr. Putin tries to sort of push the U.S. and the Western alliance more and more into a corner, uh, possibly uh, leading to more conflict. If Russia can take over Ukraine, Najam wonders if that can make a Chinese incursion into Taiwan more likely. Already, all of last year, there was a lot of concern about what China might do in Taiwan in this year. And this could certainly be an incentive for China in some ways if they see the U.S. reaction as such that it signals that on Taiwan, too, uh, there may be uh, not too much repercussion. This is not true only for China. This is true for many places in the world, right? So there are many places where there is an uneasy balance and what we are seeing in Ukraine as part of the world order shifting in the sense that the one of the big questions is, is it now, are, are the old rules of balance no longer applicable? Big questions. China has rejected to criticize Russia or call its attack an invasion, blaming the U.S. for escalating the tensions. At President Biden's press conference today, he did not say whether he is urging China to help isolate Russia. And are you, are you, if I could follow up, sir, are you urging China to help isolate Russia? Are you urging China to help isolate Russia? I'm not prepared to comment on that at the moment. Some fear that as the U.S. and Europe sanctioned Russia, this conflict could push Russia and China to closer ties. But Professor Najam does not think this will happen. You know, first of all, China and Russia have their own differences. Uh, remember, they are much closer to each other geographically. They have their own history of rivalry. They are both, um, they both presume themselves to be major powers in, within their own sphere. So, so... And to listen to the rest of the story, please tune in to AnnenbergRadio.com. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are, Yuki Liang, Eero Shieth. And Jeffrey Lee produced today's show. We also had help from Jin Yang Zhang, Claire Haskell, Bobby Gifford, Claire Fogarty, Srinidhi Bupathi, and Michael Gribben. Fernando Cienfuegos is our technical operator, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. After this show, we will be airing a special segment on the undergraduate government elections, y'all. I'm personally excited because I've never been a part of any elections, in which we'll interview the candidates for president and vice president, so stick around. And also, we are streaming live on KXSC. Follow them at kxsc.org slash listen. And we're on YouTube at the Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And look for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Annenberg Media. We'll see you next week. I'm Colby Martin. And I'm Jamila Hammond. And from all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, from Where, where we, we Are. are.